And the Toronto Raptors fall 125 113. In 72 games, they've made it through the relocation. They made it through COVID. And they made it through this season as difficult as it was. And here's to better days ahead, Jack. Well, all the best to everybody out there, to all our Raptor fans. And on uh, and up where we go, Matty D. Better days ahead and looking forward to next season. Last night, the Raptors season ended in familiar fashion. Role players going off, the entire starting lineup out. And of course, another devastating loss to sink Toronto lower and lower in the standings. But yesterday also signaled celebration. It's the end of the Tampa Bay Raptors. The players in their post-game interviews could not wait to get out of Florida and back across the border next season. This could be the season we look back on as the one that somehow got us out of a hole and developed our role players into future superstars. It could also be a wasted season where we didn't really give a farewell tour to the likes of Kyle Lowry or Norman Powell. Instead, we let them go for barely anything. And to discuss that depressing note and more as we look into the playoffs, uh, my loyal sidekick Varal is here to join. Varal, are you glad to see the back of this season for Toronto? You just described me there as loyal sidekick, Kamel, but uh, based on this season, who knows how much longer I'm going to be a Toronto Raptors fan for? I yeah. know, I well, know. Well, like Tampa, like the Tampa Bay fans, you just you're going on to boo the Raptors every single game. You you want them actively to lose. You you often cheer the. Opponents. It brings me great joy. I mean, yeah, what a bizarre season it has been. I'm I'm not glad it's over. I think it's been an enjoyable time. There have been probably more exciting teams to watch in the Raptors this season. Some of which we'll talk about in our discussions about the Pain Tournament. But yeah, I mean. Um, this season for this team has mirrored, potentially it's mirrored what life has been like in in uh, for most of the um, developed world, at least this season, just up and down, massive roller coaster. And yeah, I think the biggest upside, which you just touched on, Kamel, is we're finally going to be out of Tampa. And it'll be glorious just to see those uh, home Canadian fans being able to enjoy their team once again next season. Yeah, I mean, as as the Pacers game ended yesterday, 125-113 loss, I just thought back to just three months ago when the Raptors with a 17-17 and record beat the Houston Rockets uh, with Norman Powell scoring 30 points and Kyle Lowry achieving a triple-double. Uh, the team, to an extent, has come very far since then, finishing 27-45, and finishing off on a seven-game losing streak. Um... And actually finishing off with none of their starting lineup, uh, well, for next season, intact. Um, let's just go back. We ended last episode on a very tight loss to the Washington Wizards that essentially ended the Raptors' chances of making the play-in tournament. They followed that up with a very disappointing, grinding loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. And Jonas Valanciunas absolutely showed out 
for Memphis then. Of course, he's not a player who could take the Raptors to the championship in his time in Toronto, but still an excellent, excellent player. Of course, a first-round pick himself. Uh, as if that wasn't enough pain, they then went to LA. Well, they hosted Kawhi Leonard, who, of course, dismantled them in a 115-96 loss. Again, it's it's just indicative of, of what was. It's the curse. It's the price that the Raptors have had to pay uh, for winning that 2019 championship. But, you know, this is just adding insult to injury. We then saw Chicago host the Raptors with a 114-102 loss. This was a great game, actually, from majority mm-hmm. of it. And yeah. it's one where we can actually take some positives for once. We're going to do a season review episode later on. But this game had in a nutshell why Masai, the front office, and Nick Nurse have been doing what they're doing in terms of resting players. We saw Stanley Johnson, the Stanimal, go off for 35 points in his 43 minutes off the court. Of course, 10 rebounds and 5 assists as well. Former first-round pick, of course, Stanley Johnson, picked 8th by the Detroit Pistons not, not too long ago. And he just carried on pretty much in the late season. He's been absolutely balling out. Of course, it's not been enough, right? I mean, in that kind of lineup, one person does have to show up. And he's taken that role of the ball handler with great care. And next season, it'll be very interesting to see what he does. Of course, his sort of last few games, uh, yesterday he scored 24. Against Dallas, he scored 15. So it's an interesting one to keep an eye on. And it's just an example of one of the Raptors role players going off every game. I think the closest uh, example to that came actually afterwards in the in the Dallas game. It was Jalen Harris, of course. Uh, Vrile, I don't know, is that is that a name that rings a bell at all this season? Because he might have gone a little bit under the radar with the Malachi Flynn pick, of course. Uh, no, I, I, that is the most definite name for me that's gone under the radar. Yeah, because he was actually the 59th pick for the Raptors this year. Uh, he barely barely got a game, uh, a minute uh, in the early season. Of course, I believe he's got his first f- first couple of minutes against Sacramento, but he never played more than 10 minutes until May, where he faced the, the Clippers in the last episode we scored. And of course, we discussed that he went four from four in that game and managed to unlock the defence. Oh, and yes, like, yes, like, yes, and yes. like, yeah, and like Stanley Johnson, he's just taken strides late season. Last four games, 16, 10, 17, and against Dallas, 31. They were terrified of him, right? Uh, and it's not easy, right? He was matched up against the likes of Luca, uh, who, of course, uh, in some ways, he moves his weight around, if you know what I mean. Um, he's, uh, he's a difficult player to face uh, physically. Uh, but again, Jalen Harris turning up, delivering. Um, it's the kind of thing that Nick Nurse wants. It's difficult to watch. It's difficult to go through as a team in terms of loss after loss after loss. But these reps could be invaluable, as we've said all season. Mm-hmm. And I think, just to end off this Raptor season, because let's face it, I don't think any of the listeners want to hear about this 2021 regular season for too much longer. Uh, we just have to go to this last Pacers v Raptors oh, game, of course. And one guy who turned up on their court. Interestingly enough, we did an episode about him not too long ago. He was still an up-and-coming player in the 905. O'Shea Brissett, 31 points the Indiana Pacers yesterday 10 rebounds 
as well. He shot 10 from 16 from the floor. Afterwards, of course, very gracious, crediting Nick Nurse and, and the Raptors organization for his development over the years. But he's an excellent player, and I think we'll, we'll definitely touch on him, especially discussing the players a little bit later on. Um, and of course, just personally, I have to give a shout out to TJ McConnell. I mean, he can pop up with 10 steal games. He can pop up with... Um, he's not much of a scorer, but, but 17 assists yesterday. I mean, imagine him and Mike James sharing a backcourt. That's that's the absolute <laughs> dream right now. Um, I think but, he's slowly becoming your Bojan Bogdanovic, isn't he? Oh, big time. Big time. I mean, I, I just can't get over these pass-first players. They're ridiculous. I need someone to fill that Rondo-shaped hole in my life at the minute. <laughs> uh, it's coming. It's coming. And on the Raptors side, of course, you've got to give credit. As we said, Stanley Johnson, Ken Birch, who, who Nick Nurse seems to really, really like, who's going to play a big role next season. Malachi yeah. Flynn, we've sung his praises before, 27. And DeAndre Bembry, 23 points. Career high for the former yeah. Atlanta Hawks man. Um, yeah, Kamel, could we also quickly discuss what exactly was the decision-making behind putting the six-man roster out for this game? It almost yeah, seems as if the bench was being punished for their lack of performance throughout the season. <laughs> Nick Nurse just went, you know what, you're all paying 40-plus minutes. If any of you get injured, you, you bloody well deserve it for the performances you put up. That being said, you did say some uh, players uh, did play well in that particular game. You talked about Stanley Johnson uh, in the you know this late um, part of the season but it seemed more of a punishment than anything else putting those guys out there for that long I think they enjoyed it I mean you realise that they ain't going to get another opportunity on any NBA team to play 40 minutes um, this season I mean these are guys yeah. who at the start of the season when the Raptors were looking like they are going to compete were only getting garbage time Ken yeah, Birch and Freddie true. Gillespie weren't even on this team Stanley Johnson was out of the rotation uh, and Malachi Flynn was seeing the odd minute and we were already writing him off. So these yeah, guys have come on leaps and bounds. But let's not forget about Aaron Baines, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, looking like he's going to be cut this season, this man suddenly wakes up against the Pacers. 14 points, including three from five from behind the arc and also gets 10 rebounds and two blocks. So man is playing for a contract and uh, giving the front office... At least a little, a little thing to think about. Maybe they won't feel so, so good when they cut him uh, in a couple of months. But yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a, it was a weird six-man rotation. Uh, of course, they they tend to overplay some of the injuries uh, for the likes of Lowry, Watanabe. Uh, but I mean, if you look at the box score, you'll just see that Boucher and Gary Trent were fully available. But that was the coach's decision that they didn't play. One thing before we move on to the play-ins. Uh, Kyle Lowry did not make an appearance this game. That means that the last time he appeared for the Raptors, of course, mm-hmm. was uh, well, it was a magical performance against the LA Lakers and not a bad game to sign off in itself. But yeah. does this possibly mean something? Because he was fit for this game, but does it mean something about re-signing? Surely with the seventh uh, lottery odds, well, the seventh place in the draft locked in, Surely you'd play your farewell franchise, absolute Raptors legend in the final game of the season? Or is it not his final game of the season, is what I'm saying? Oh, uh, I think he probably was, I'm thinking probably was that he had such a good performance against this competitive Lakers team that that's how it was 
you know, that was the best way for him to go out, maybe, is the thinking there. Um, I see your point, but given that they're not even in Canada, I think if it had been in Toronto this game, he absolutely would have played. But since he's since it's in Tampa, since there's no crowd anyway, um, you know, there's not he doesn't get that special connection with the fans that he would have gotten um in this, you know, non COVID season. So yeah, um I think him not playing, we can't really read too much into whether that means he's staying or leaving. I think um, he's probably leaving, to be honest. And um, this actually ties in quite nicely to um, an episode we're hopefully going to release in the next month or so, because we, we're we doing a recap of, you know, the life and times of Carl Larry, which is, of course, an ongoing ser- series for us. And um, there I do talk about the fact that he is from Philly and um, he's been so heavily involved with those Philly rumours now for, you know, two, three months that I think is probably almost a hundred percent certainty that he is going there this offseason yeah maybe it's just uh unrequited love, hope and love from me but yes, exactly. um, we'll see we'll see reading too much into it perhaps yeah well i think i think now's a great time to have a look at last night's opponents going forward of course mm. haven't had the strongest season they haven't been very lucky with injuries either but the yeah, indiana exactly. pacers could they make waves in the playoffs and are they actually likely to make uh, the actual playoffs? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I was doing a bit of thinking about this earlier and um, before we look at their matchups and the play-ins, I think given that they are now the nine seed, the best that they can hope for is to actually um, end up as the eight seed, which would of course mean that they end up going against the 76ers. But if we look at all four of these playing teams in the East currently as it stands, we've got the Celtics, we've got the Pacers, we've got the Hornets, and we've got the Wizards. I think the only team that possibly even has a hope against the 76ers is the Pacers because they are the only team with a front court that could possibly hope to slow down and beat. I think all those other teams would get absolutely smashed by him. Um, so... Uh, in a weird way, they're probably the team that the Sam Sixers most want to see slip up and not make the playoffs. Uh, but looking at um, playing specifically, I think they do have the edge against the Hornets. And I'll quickly go over why that, uh, that is the case. And I think a lot of uh, the media has been saying this as well. But uh, the, probably the biggest factor is the fact that uh, Gordon Haywood is out for the game. And... Um, Ever since he's been out, I think it was April 2nd is when he first um, picked up his injury. It seemed as if he'd only be out for, you know, three, four weeks. But unfortunately, uh, it's been one of these, you know, uh, niggling little injuries that's continued. And it seems as if he's not going to play. And um, given that Lamelo also only came back fairly recently, only came back, I think, two weeks ago. And he's been, um, he hasn't been wholly out of form but he has been inconsistent um, as he has been you know trying to get back after his injury um this is a team this is a really interesting matchup Camille because they're both rosters in the Hornets and the Pacers that have a lot of guard depth actually you've got Karis LeVert Malcolm Brogdon you've got TJ McConnell um Aaron Holiday um the Indiana Pacers are probably the deepest guard team in the whole NBA alongside the San Antonio Spurs, as weird as that sounds. I'm, I'm actually missing a few as well there. Like they've, they've got a ridiculous number of guards. 
Um, we could probably throw Justin Holiday as well there. He's a smaller um, shooting forward. Um, but yeah, so that's the Indiana Pacers. And of course, we know that about the Hornets as well. They've got Lamella Ball, they've got Terry Rozier, they've got Devonta Graham who's been struggling as well this season. But both of these teams' guards, they're pretty deep. And that's going to be an interesting matchup. I think it's really evenly balanced on that end, actually. Um, potentially, the Pacers have the edge there with, you know, Matthew Brogdon, Brogdon, I think, out of all of them is the best defender. But... The real interesting part of this matchup, Camille, is that you have a team in the Pacers who have really struggled when it comes to their wing depth. They've had TJ Warren out for the whole season. He was probably their best defender. And he wasn't even like an elite defender in that position. We, of course, know the beef that he had with Jimmy Butler calling him, you know, a trash defender. You can't guard me. All that stuff we saw in the playoffs. So they've had him missing and They've also, um, while uh, Miles Turner was in the team, they would also start Miles Turner and Demonte Slobonis next to each other. So you've really got two centers also starting, which actually meant Sabonis was having to play as a wing. And Sabonis had a really interesting statistic, Camille. I think he was a player who ran the most in the NBA. And <laughs> just imagine six foot ten. Really? Six Sabonis? Foot that's, that's not the kind of thing you associate with him. I believe that statistic is correct. It was correct as of, as of a week ago, which is the article which I found this in. But um, yeah, he, he shouldn't be playing that role. He absolutely shouldn't be closing out shoots regularly on this team. And um, <laughs> yeah, that that is the really interesting matchup because you've got the Hornets, you've got the likes of PJ Washington, Miles Bridges, and unfortunately, Gordon Hayward is probably the best out of the bunch. And he's going to be missing. I believe if Gordon Hayward was in this team, this was this matchup would have been the most 50-50 matchup out of all the games. Like I couldn't have predicted which way it was going to go. The last thing I want to mention there is that um, this Indiana front court. So they're going to actually be missing Miles Turner, who a lot of people have said he really should be, possibly even the leading defensive player of the year candidate. His metrics have been off the board, but I've also um, watched uh, his play before he got injured. And this is the important point. He's actually going to be out for this game. So again, that could possibly balance things a little bit more as well. But anyway, um, he's been absolutely spectacular on the defensive end. And so, yes, um, they're possibly going to have a bit of trouble in the paint in this game with, um, you know, a lot of aggressive uh, forwards and guards on the Charlotte team who like to get to the rim. But... um, I think in that matchup, the Pacers are going to have it just because the Hornets, without Hayward and with this returning Lamella ball, they've looked pretty bad in these last 10 to 15 games. I think they've had a dire stretch of games. Yep, they, um... the last five games. So, uh, yeah, I expect the Pacers to um, just to eke out a win against them. Yeah, you know, you're right. Their form has been extremely poor. Uh, the Hornets lost their last five and of course for a time they were sort of they were 27 and 25 at one point and I think that was with Hayward playing extremely well and they sort of started to click especially when Lamelo uh, grew as a player during his during his first season well, but he, no, was he, a, he was a clear rookie of the year candidate and then of course he got that unfortunate injury so yeah I mean that, um... it's, it's an interesting thought Full strength, these two full strength teams, you know, Lamelo and yes. Hayward back in, Miles and 
and you know even Jeremy Lamb TJ, and like, TJ Warren as well TJ and Warren TJ well. Warren you know yeah. you, you you just give it back to the paces with both full strength and and as they stand I think I think anyway it's, it's I think it's the, a tight this one. paces team would easily have been because I had them as like a top six team in the east because they have been for the last um you know five six years so it wouldn't it shouldn't have really have changed this season but uh yeah I think um, the injuries have really changed their roster construction. Even um, Sabonis has really been struggling with foot issues this season, alongside Miles Turner. And of course, TJ Warren has been out the whole year. You also get a player back who just came back from cancer in Karis Levert. What? How, look at how he's performed returning from that. He's he's been a twenty point a game player for them. Unbelievable! Like truly, like uh, what a heartwarming story that has been. So. Um, yeah, this Pacers team has probably been through maybe just as much as this Raptors team. Both of them have really un- underperformed compared to, um, you know, the caliber of players that they have. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I absolutely agree with you there. Full strength, this Pacers team would honestly be a difficult matchup for any team in the East. Very, very true. And I think it's time to switch over to the other side because, of course, the loser of the Boston versus Washington matchup is going to play, as you say, probably Indiana. No, I don't see any any result past Washington winning both these games right here. I mean, they're on top form. They have wow. so many players just on fire at the moment, right? Go through their depth charts. Not only Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, Hachimura is playing brilliantly. Robin Lopez, right, has somehow turned into prime Hakeem during these last five games. We saw it against the Raptors. Yeah. He is absolutely balling out. They've got great depth, likes of Bertans, uh, Matthews off the bench, both, both good shooters. Um, and so it's, it's just clicked for them at the right time. And of course, you compare it to Boston's recent struggles, likes of Jalen Brown being out, etc. And it's just... We, we've I, already I, discussed them quite in depth. Yeah, two-game sweep right here. That's what I'm saying. Wow. And so... Um, just to clarify uh, for the listeners as well, so it's going to be a three-game series for the seven and eight matchups, is it, in both conferences? Yes, that's right. Okay, yeah, and I, I believe the um, nine versus ten seed. I, I'm, I know for a fact that that's a one-game playoff. Yeah, that's just one straight um, game, and uh, but Washington will need to win two games. Boston only needs to win one. That's the difference in in the three-game matchup. Wait, if, if from the. Um, in the 7-8 seed playoff. Yes, yes. Boston just need to what? win the one game. Ah, oh my goodness. Okay, and I also know that, so the loser of that matchup and then the winner of the 9-10, they only play one game as well. Yes, um, that's correct. To see who makes the 8 seed. Wow, that is, that is, that's, wow. So your prediction is Washington's going to win both of those. I think, I see where you're coming. I also wanted to cap, um, maybe slightly alter something you said there. I basically agreed with everything apart from you saying um, Bertans was a good shooter. I think Bertans is probably probably one of the best shooters in the league. Um, I remember him in the three-point contest, was it last year? But um, yeah, like his his numbers have been like otherworldly. Um, but yeah, aside from that, all the issues we've talked about with Boston, yeah, I kind of agree with you. And I think on that note, we can transition over to the Western Conference and talk about this super, super spicy matchup between the Lakers and the Warriors. I'd like to just say this before you, maybe you look into it, Camille, and analyse it. 
LeBron's already playing mind games, Coom. He's gone out and said Steph Curry is this regular season's MVP. <laughs> so um, that I'd like to just drop uh, that quote with you and uh, what you can make of it, what you will. Right. Um, I, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all. I mean, you look at... Did you watch the game yesterday against the Grizzlies? Yeah. I mean, it was just absurd. Like, this man is 33, claimed that second scoring title, and just is so, so good to... It's not only the box score, right? It's just so good to watch as well, and he just absolutely inspires his team. I know... And, and you know, you saw Clay out, right, for sort mm-hmm. of the, the second season going, and you're just thinking, how can this man keep delivering with all the attention on him? Okay, maybe he's, he's got Wiggins this year, but it's not, it's not much, is it? And, no, and no, he's still, he's, Wiggins has been very good for them. He's been good, but he's not Clay in terms of he needs another double yes. team or he needs someone tracking him at all times, right? All the attention yeah, is yeah. on Curry. Yeah. Uh, and he still does it. And he still does it. And I, I, I can't help but agree with that. You can have your Jokic's and your Doncic's. No, this is my MVP this year. And Camille, the really interesting thing is, again, we know our stuff because in the 2020 season, I believe both of us predicted Steph to be our regular season MVPs because they were in the exact same situation. They also had Clay out there. We thought, yeah, Steph on his own, he, he is, he, he will make any team's offense, offense great in this league because that's how good an offensive, offensive player he was. So we both had him as our MVPs and then he ends up getting going out injured. At least I remember I did. You potentially either had him or Kawhi. I can't remember. We're gonna um, we're gonna go over that in another episode. Don't you worry. I'm not revealing it now. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, okay, okay. But um, yeah. Um, I think let's have a look at this matchup though, because an important part of this is um, also what we saw. Did you see with LeBron what happened to him during the, the Lakers game? No, go on. Um, he actually ended up um, stepping on. Was it, I can't remember which player's foot, but he ended up twisting his ankle and actually going out of the game. And so I thought, I saw that and thought, okay, with all the injury problems he's had, does that mean he's out against the Warriors? And um, the latest coverage is that he will be back for this uh, playing matchup against the Warriors. And of course, they're playing on Wednesday. So that gives him maybe an extra two, three days to rest up. But one thing is for certain is that he won't be at 100%. But to be honest, even a Kamel, not a, a Kamel, a LeBron, they're both kings. It's they're both true. Easy. They're both true. Even if I wasn't at 100%, I'd still manage to deal with that Warriors team. <laughs> You'd still dominate that Warriors uh, wing deck. I mean, um, who would match up with LeBron? Would, would you just stick a Draymond on him, potentially? You could have Paschal as well. Um, playing. Who goes him. on AD then? Ah, yeah. So you, ideally, I thought you'd want Draymond maybe on AD. On oh, um, AD, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's um, a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that's just a matchup that like every, all of our listeners knows both of those rosters. So um, we're all just like sitting anxiously, just waiting for that hype matchup. So I think the last one we're going to quickly look over as well is um. The Grizzlies and the Spurs, again, they're two teams, Kamel. We haven't mentioned them much outside of talking about DeMar every now and then. Um, we potentially looked at the Spurs at one point, just looking at their guard depth. 
But uh, the Grizzlies, I don't think we've made a mention of them. Also. No, outside of outside of the li- little Jonas mention this episode, nothing. Mm. Yeah, and um, what do you think about that matchup? Just um, based on just like a superficial uh, analysis of it. Well, it's it's always it was always going to be very difficult for the team that faced Memphis just because of the early season injuries to uh, Yamaran and JJJ literally meant that they were playing without two stars for the majority of the season. Um, of course, once they did come back, they then started delivering. Um, if you look at their record early on, you know, they, they got off to well under 500, but they sort of maintained that and finished 38 to 34, thanks to basically five late wins in a row. Um, yeah, they were a good yeah, side yeah. and Moran and JJJ notoriously, well, notoriously for their opponents, do have a very good link up. Uh, you add Valanciunas to the mix, um, and they've got a really, really scary front court that yes. I'm not sure Jakob Pertl can deal with. You know, he's a bit not not undersized, but like Boucher, he hasn't got necessarily the muscle to deal with those two big men like that. Who, who else on the Spurs do you see being able to deal with Valanciunas and JJJ? No, that that's you've hit the nail on the head there. But um, I do want to say one thing about Jaron Jackson. He's Kamel, he's only actually come back. I think he's only played 11 games and he's only come back very recently. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's games, played enough. He's played enough to be rested. Mm, but no, he has, he has. But first off, he has. He didn't start the first few games he was back and it was actually Valanciunas starting and he predominantly played as the backup centre to Valanciunas, believe it or not. They decided not to start both those guys at the same time. And... Um, while it looks like in these matchups, he probably will start alongside Valanciunas, he certainly isn't 100% healthy. And um, I think that's going to be a big factor for them. I think if they do make it through, then they could be a really big problem for um, the Utah Jazz, for example, as the eight seed. But um, his health is much, much more worrying than Yarmorant. Yarmorant, I think he, he looks like he's 100% and ready to go. Um, but yeah, you hit the nail on the head there because the Spurs, the Spurs, I just mentioned earlier, the paces, their guard depth is just incredible. Um, but it's also a problem at the same time. They, they roster isn't well-rounded. And with the Spurs, you've got Calvin Johnson, Lonnie Walker, um, you've got DeJounte Murray. Um, there's also one, oh, Derek White, who that's a massive loss for the Spurs. So they don't have Derek White for this, uh, for this game, who's possibly their best two-way player alongside uh, DeMar DeRozan. Um, so he's going to be a really huge miss for them. In the front court, they've, they've had to rely on Jakob Pertl this whole season, Camille. He started every single game. He's got maybe the third most minutes on the team. And he is not... I don't think right now he's not a starting caliber center, in my opinion. Not in the playoffs, certainly. And... No. Um, Exactly. Yeah, he hasn't had that experience, and um, you've had the likes of Keldon Johnson. He he can literally defend like one through four. Like he's like Draymond in that sense. He's such a versatile uh, guard defender. He's a he's a bit smaller than Draymond, of course. Um, but yeah, if you're playing him as like kind of like a four, then um, against two big guys in the Memphis Grizzlies who can also move a bit, like Jaron Jackson can move a bit, but those guys can also shoot as well, particularly Jaron Jackson. He hasn't been shooting well um, since he's come back, but we know him as an excellent three-point shooter. Um, 
So I think those two guys, they're going to cause the Spurs so many problems. And uh, the Spurs have been, again, pretty woeful um, in this late part of the season. And I think Kamel, the loss of Lamarcus Aldridge for them, going to the Nets, you know, and obviously eventually retiring. If they have Lamarcus Aldridge for this series, I think that makes it completely different again. Maybe makes things a bit more even, but without Lamarcus, their depth, Kamel, uh, is woeful. It, they have Trey Lyles as like really their main backup in that like big man position. Um, they do have Rudy Gay and Patty Mills, but again, yeah, they're not in the big man position. So uh, yeah, I think the Memphis Grizzlies will have this one easily. And what do you think, Kamel? Do you think we could possibly see a Warriors versus Grizzlies matchup to get into that eight seed? Yeah, I think that's. Mm, uh, yeah, I, I think if LeBron's back, yeah, Warriors v Grizzlies, and I think unfortunately for Memphis, I think Curry will be too much in the in the backcourt. Uh, no matter no matter what Moran. So wouldn't that be an amazing series? What's that? Curry versus Moran. It's it's a great it's a great story. I mean, this playoffs is full of great stories, and you know, I, I also want to look at the other side. I really want to see Washington take on Brooklyn. You know. Oh, oh yes, yes, right? yes. Did he consider that as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. And um, let me make a little correction. Actually, the three-game uh, best of three sort of rule was last year. They've obviously changed it for this year, as uh... listeners will be shouting at their uh, podcast applications right now. That it's just a one-game <laughs> playoff. Keep it a little bit shorter. Um, but yeah, it's best. Yeah, winner takes all. So it's a great, great prospect. So yeah, I'm hoping to see Washington v Brooklyn. And, and I assume then, on the other side, versus the Celtics potentially. Seventy-six. I'll be say it's more seventy-sixes versus Indiana, but um, that's just that's just my hot take there. Um, oh, I, I agree on that, but yeah, I think spicier seventy-sixes versus Celtics. Oh, that would be way more fun. Yeah, they've they've matched up a few times in the past. Um, last year, this yeah, last year the Celtics they got swept number. last year by them. Absolutely had their number. Um, yeah, of course, a very different proposition for both sides this year. But we just wait and see. Uh, for now, though, uh, Raptors, for the first time since 2012, not involved in the postseason mix, not even in the playoff tournament, the play-in tournament, I should say. It's a shame, but we move on, we move forward. Um, June 22nd is going to be the next significant date for Raptors fans in terms of the actual draft itself. We'll, of course, find out the odds a little bit before that. However, in between, we will continue to bring you play-in and play-off coverage. We've got special episodes, uh, as Varel said, about Kyle Lowry. We're going to do season reviews. We're going to look at the best games of this horrific season so far. And you will not be short of content, is what I'm saying. Varel, thanks once again for joining me uh, and the loyal, loyal listeners. Catch you all next week, everyone. That's going to do it. The Toronto Raptors will finish the season 27 and 45. Indiana will improve to 34 and 38. They will play in the play in game.